0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, July 30th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamaninny.
1: And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves.
0: All right, Ashley, Longtime listeners will know that I used to be hugely engrossed in pop culture, and especially TV, uh, most specifically when I was doing the Something Like a Pop podcast uh, for Broadway World with Jennifer McHugh. I have pretty much since stopped watching most... TV, don't see very many movies, Mm. Uh, but over the summer, and especially since the Tonys, I've been trying to catch up on important TV things that I've been missing, Mm. whether those things are important because, like, they're critically acclaimed or, like, long-running shows that I have fallen behind on. Sure. This is a long-winded story to get to let everybody know that I am, probably by the time they listen to this, will probably be done with this most recent season of How to Get Away with Murder. (sighs) One, Viola Davis is amazing. I love her, but I wanted to mention... um, I don't remember exactly what episode, maybe the 10th episode or so of the season 9th or 10th. Um, One of the series regulars, Conrad Ricamora, who has been on Broadway. in, uh, Yeah, The King and I, he was in Here Lies Love. Um, His character gets married, and he sings uh, at the reception. He sings John Legend's song, All of Me. Is that right? All of Me Loves All of You. yeah. I, I, this show is getting into its sixth and final season. If we don't get Conrad Ricamora back on Broadway as soon as that o- is over, yes, I'm going to be very, very please. sad. Uh, he did Soft Power right. uh, out okay. in um, wherever it was in, in California. So I'm hoping that when it comes to the public, he'll still be involved. And I think that's correct. I think I that think was the show right. he did yeah. recently. So he's great. I love him. Uh, the show is pure... So ridiculousness, in, but I, Absolutely. but I love it. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk more about soap operas here in a little bit. Oh, but I love how can you not love Viola Davis? So, Seriously, uh, it's always good. So I
1: like that you're coming in with like this six month late take.
0: Well, yeah, the show, <laughs> the show, the the season is over. Yeah, uh, long been over. But I've got literally a, comes a, a list. Yeah, I've got a list of probably 20 shows that I have to catch, maybe Same. more, it looks Same. like it's more, and some of them are multiple seasons, and uh, it's it's ridiculous, but <laughs> I, I've watched the first four seasons, so I figure I have to watch this
1: See, one See, you, you get there in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Slow and steady wins the race. (laughs) Uh, All right, Ashley, so let's dive into the show proper. Yesterday, we learned that Hannah Gadsby's latest solo show, Douglas, has extended its New York engagement for a second time, adding two additional weeks of performances. Douglas will now run through September 7th at the Daryl Roth Theater, and coming off of the reviews that the show got... Uh, over the weekend, that seems wise. So let's dive into those, Ashley. First up, Jesse Green made the show a New York Times critic's pick. In his review, he quotes Gadsby from the show, saying, quote, I believe it is those expectations that are falling short of my humanity. Now back to Green writing. The the unusual brilliance of Douglas is in its long-game strategy to prove this. Making expectations both her subject and method, Miss Gadsby begins by telling us everything she will be doing in the 95-minute set and exactly what effects she intends to achieve. When she later collects double on the gambit, scoring for both her laughs and her prediction of them, you are struck by the daring that went into setting such a high bar. And you believe, as she suggests, that her ability to think through and execute such a plan is proof of a mind that is beautiful, not defective. That is a reference to the fact that Gatsby talks about the fact that she was diagnosed as autistic. Uh, So that's kind of circling back to that. Hilton Ailes from The New Yorker said, quote, the 41-year-old Tasmanian monologuist, that is not a phrase that I say very often, uh, addresses many things in her work, among them violence against women. Men in golf, art history, her lesbianism, and her difference in the world. As she did in her popular 2018 Netflix special Nanette, Gadsby strives to deliver a monologue that's not a string of self-deprecating jokes like some of her earlier work, which she now views as a symptom of her self-loathing and evidence of women's tendency to marginalize themselves in order to not disturb the status quo. I was touched by this sentiment in Nanette, and I wondered as I watched how Gadsby would use that kind of directness to strengthen the stories she told, since she is essentially a storyteller, someone who uses characters and situations to illustrate her ethos and thus, perhaps, connect more deeply with the audience. But that's not Gadsby's goal, not entirely. And finally, Trish Bendix from Time said, quote, The runaway success of Nanette looms large over Douglas. Early on, she jokes that she might have, quote, budgeted her trauma better if she'd known that the show would be such a success. She works through more recent trauma here, drawing upon a relationship that ended shortly after she was diagnosed with autism. She digs in even deeper to the way she's been treated by men as a queer and masculine of center woman, in so doing, she makes a compelling case that we should consider the source of just about everything, how things are defined, and by whom. Even the show's title gets at this. Gadsby says at the beginning that it's named after her dog, but as she digs deeper into the philosophy of the naming of things, it becomes clear that the title works on multiple levels. Now, Mm. Ashley, um, I am not surprised in the least that this got fantastic reviews, uh, and I'm only hoping that since the even with this uh, two-week extension and a subsequent U.S. uh, national tour that has already happened, um, that tickets are hard to get, but I'm Mm. hoping that they also capture this. I'm sure that Netflix already has plans uh, to bring this one to the streaming service, but are you going to be able to see it while it's in New York?
1: I hope so. I like the rest of the general population was just knocked out by Nanette. I think we overuse the word brave in art, but it really is and so down to the bone. And I think we're increasingly at a period in comedy where we want things that are more poignant and reflective. I think it's really interesting to have a comedy show with a longer run where you know you usually expect shorter runs though. Obviously, off-Broadway runs are typically shorter than Broadway runs anyway. I'm happy more people are getting the chance to see her in person, hopefully myself included. <laughs> I think some people have the complaint she's not, you know, a standard laugh a minute comedian, but I think she's one yeah. of those people that you hold your breath when they talk, and that's not a bad thing no matter mm-hmm. where you lean.
0: Yeah, and I, and I don't think that someone has to be a stand-up to be funny, no, and I yeah. think Hilton Ailes called her a monologist or, or monologue. i do don't know—I'm <laughs> But uh, I think that's there's uh, you know I, you see a lot of people that are considered storytellers at like fringe festivals and stuff, and I exactly. think some the, some of the things that I've found the most impactful have been those one-person shows that are not really narrative. But they're kind of storytelling and they walk the line of that. And that's not necessarily yes. what she does, but it's it's not completely dissimilar either. So uh, I'm excited that this had such great reviews and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing it on Netflix uh, somewhat fairly soon.
1: Cosign.
0: All right. Up next, Ashley. Yesterday, the Schubert organization announced that they have begun... Telecharge Assured, a new platform designed to facilitate fair access to individual ticket buyers when seats go on sale to the general public. They launched the platform with the sale of Hamilton's Run in Philadelphia earlier this month. This is, of course, their answer to Ticketmaster's verified fan, as it is designed to prevent large swaths of tickets being gobbled up by scalpers. Now, if people remember the fiasco that uh Ticketmasters Verified fan was for Bruce Springsteen and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. They will know how much James abhors uh Ticketmasters Verified <laughs> fan. So hopefully this one works a little better. But actually, I'm all for them doing this. I'm all for real ticket buyers having the chance mm-hmm. to buy tickets as opposed to yeah. scalpers and secondary market people. But what might actually help the ticket buying experience even more would be if the Schubert's just straight-up fixed Telecharge and brought it out of 2005
1: right. <laughs> and got rid
0: of the myriad of bugs that happens nearly every time you mm-hmm. try to buy a ticket on Telecharge.
1: I mean, literally anything will be better with what they have now. I will oh. take, you know... <laughs> you both, can, it's both it's, it's t- probably working better, or it probably works worse than what something in 2005 actually did.
0: I'm not sure which ticket buying experience I hate more, uh, Ticketmaster or Telecharge. I think Telecharge is easier to search for things, mm-hmm. but the actual user interaction and the user interface is just horrible. I was trying to buy those tickets for, what was oh, Little Shop a, a week or so ago, and mm-hmm. it was like literally just everything looked right, except for there was literally just a black space yep. where you should have been able to buy tickets, and it's just Horrible. Just this is, I, I don't understand why the Schubert organization has not fixed this website in a decade. It seems like it just uh. boggles the mind. But anyway, actually, let's stick with the theme of ticket sales as we look into last week's Broadway grosses. Obviously, things have stabilized a bit after the roller coaster surrounding the Broadway blackout. Total receipts were down 1.28% over last week to come in at $33,824,901. Broadway picked up two shows last week. First, The Residency of Barry Manilow. In three performances, he brought in $555,441, while Seawall in a Life did $258,304 in just a pair of performances. Last week also saw the final performances on Broadway of Frankie and Johnny and the Clear de Lune. The show did gain 41 k to gross a bit over $352,000, but despite the uptick, it was the lowest grossing show that was on a regular schedule last week, not including, obviously, Sea uh, Wall and A Life and Barry Manilow. Actually, Barry Manilow did much better, um, even though it just had a few previews. Uh, up at the top of the grosses, on the other end of the scale, there was something pretty interesting going on. Ashley Hamilton was the number one, not surprising, with three million sixty-eight thousand eight hundred twelve dollars, and it was followed by three shows above two million. In second and third were The Lion King, which is at two point seven, and mm-hmm. Wicked, which was quite a ways back, but both of those had nine performances. But in fourth place, was to kill a mockingbird, which wow. grossed over two million dollars for the second time in the past five weeks. Obviously, when Harry Potter and the cursed Child started, it was doing above two million fairly regularly sure but I but for something like to kill a mockingbird, which yes, it's a property that everybody knows and loves, mm-hmm. but is not a pop culture property, especially not one that's been super in the public pop culture zeitgeist obviously it's in the literary zeitgeist Mm. um for that long it just continues to boggle my mind about how well it is doing over the schubert theater and it makes me very very happy
1: the fact that it's fairly deep into its run now at this point and is doing so steadily and so well is yeah boggling
0: yeah it started performances in november so it's been going now for almost eight Months, I think right. that's pretty uh, that's pretty impressive. Also in seven figures was Moulin Rouge, Aladdin, Ain't Too Proud, Cursed Child, Hades Town, Frozen, Dear Evan Hansen, Phantom of the Opera, The Book of Mormon, Mean Girls and Beetlejuice. Everything else was pretty much as you would expect. Tootsie's numbers stayed about the same. So nothing really new to report there. But uh, uh, really interesting. I'm, I've been very impressed with how well to kill a mockingbird uh, has been doing. And I'll be interested to see what happens when Jeff Daniels leaves and Ed Harris takes over oh, to see if yeah. that is a trend that will continue and if that really is the name I as much as I love Jeff Daniels and I thought he was great in the role I don't get the sense that he's what's selling tickets yeah exactly. I, I do feel like To Kill a Mockingbird it's is selling the, the tickets
1: yeah no I absolutely think that people have heard about To Kill a Mockingbird and they are going to go see To Kill a Mockingbird they're not hearing oh you should see jeff daniels and to kill a mockingbird
0: yeah totally agree all right so let's finish the show off today ashley with news that the manhattan theater club announced the complete casting for the american premiere of florian zeller's the height of the storm joining the previously announced broadway company of jonathan price and eileen atkins will be lisa kohu amanda drew james hillier and lisa o'hare of Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder fame. Performances will begin at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater on September 10th. We also learned on Monday that Red Bull Theater will present the New York premiere of Keith Hamilton Cobb's play American More. In the show, an indomitable African-American actor auditions for the role of Othello, only to respond to the dictates of a younger, white director who presumes to better understand Shakespeare's iconic black character. Performances begin on August 27th. Now... Circling back to something I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, Ashley, I first became aware of Keith Hamilton Cobb and his very long and impressive dreadlocks back in 1994 when he played Noah Kiefer (laughs) on All My Children. His Aunt Grace, who raised him on the show, was played by the late, great Tony winner Lynn Thigpen... Also familiar to many people as the chief on the "Where in the World Is the Carmen Sandiego" game show, ah. uh, and and that, my friends, is how we bring everything back around full circle to my very unique and specific Venn diagrams.
1: <laughs> they are very unique and specific. Yes, I, that's... you know, I was all but forced into watching "The Young and the Restless" growing up. So, I'm
0: I'm got, sorry that I... they didn't get you started on the good soap opera. I know
1: I'm sorry. exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Anyway, moving on. Yesterday it was also it was also officially learned something that I teased on yesterday's show and that is that 6 is adding one more 2019 stop before coming to Broadway next spring. The show will now play St. Paul, Minnesota's Ordway Center from November 29th through December 22nd. The run replaces uh, the previously announced production of Marcy and Xena's Ever After that was going to happen at Ordway. That has been postponed and I uh, presumably uh, will be rescheduled, maybe. The cast has not been announced for this St. Paul run, but considering that the show begins performances just five days after the Edmonton run is now currently scheduled to close, I think it's safe to assume that the company will remain the same. And finally, Ashley, on Monday at the Television Critics Association press tour, PBS and 13 announced a new documentary about the EGOT winning legend Rita Moreno slated to premiere in 2020. Currently, it has a working title of American Masters Rita Moreno colon the girl who decided to go for it. The doc will be produced by Norman Lear, who is the legendary TV creator behind the show One Day at a Time, whose reboot Moreno is currently starring in. And the other executive producer will be Lin-Manuel Miranda. Now, I'm not sure when... Yeah, of course it is. Um, I'm not sure when in 2020 this is going to drop, Ashley. But between Mm -hmm. this, the revitalized, miracle fourth season of One Day at a Time, and the new West Side Story film... This is going to be a very good year for Rita Moreno who will turn 88 at the end wow. of 2020.
1: I feel like every year is a good year for Rita Moreno.
0: Yeah, but I mean like she's this is uh, as much in the public eye as she's been in, in quite a while and I think that is very very well deserved.
1: I feel like the best two people too, are producing this between Lear and Miranda and if you haven't seen yeah. One Day at a Time please watch it. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. And I Co-signed the fact that um, uh, Justina Machado, who is the lead yes. in One Day at a Time, and Rita Moreno have recurring characters on uh, Jane the Virgin. Uh, Justina yes. Machado has a much more involved performance; right. uh, she's longer run. Rita Moreno's only appeared in a couple episodes as uh, as one of Jane's grandmothers, but um, and very sad. Wednesday night is the series finale of Jane the Virgin. Is know, it
1: really? Okay. I'm it two is. weeks behind. Oh, no. Oh,
0: catch up. Catch up.
1: Oh, no. A lot miss happens it. in
0: these last two weeks. A lot oh, happens. I'm going to miss it. No. yeah so anyway <laughs> all right thanks that's all we've got thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter and instagram at Bww matt ashley where can people find you
1: you can find me on twitter and instagram at no this is ashley
0: all right if you have a second as you're preparing yourself mentally and emotionally for the series finale of jane the virgin head over <laughs> to itunes Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Radio, the American Armed Forces Network, wherever you hear yeah. us and leave us a rating and a review. We would appreciate it. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and we'll be back to talk to you on Wednesday.